you just couldn't wait to get to be able to do something. I remember uh, mom telling me, oh, yeah, dad, you can't wait till you can drive the pickup forward to help move pipe, you know, back in the day. And I remember getting to do that. Welcome to Why West Texas, a show about the incredible people and amazing places in our region. This podcast will tell the stories of influencers who have tapped the towering potential of the flatlands. West Texas. I'm Cade Wilcox, your host, and today Jason Birkenfeld is joining us. Jason and his uh, beautiful family live in Nazareth, and uh, a, fun, a fun thing about today's episode is that Jason and I grew up in Nazareth together uh, our entire lives, and uh, Jason and his family still live in Nazareth, and uh, it's really, really fun and exciting for me to, uh, you know, have you join us on the show, Jason. Uh, it's great to be here, Kane. Uh, Did you ever imagine, uh, you know, in, in uh, third grade when we were arguing over, you know, where to sit at in the cafeteria that we'd find ourselves 20-plus-something uh, years later on a podcast together? Uh Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not exactly what we were uh, thinking about back then, is it? So, well, Jason, tell tell our audience a little bit about you. I mean, tell tell us about where you live and and what you do and and your family, just all the good stuff. Hey, well, like you said, I, I live in Nazareth. I grew up here, so I spent my whole life, except for two years here. So, uh, been here a long time, and and now getting to raise my kids the same way I was raised. Uh, that's been a blessing, but, um, so I'm a third generation farmer here. Uh, you know, my granddad came back after world war II. He was in the Navy and, and, uh, bought a place and, and the rest is history. You know, um, uh, my dad and an uncle, uh, are partnered together and we are getting to farm a lot of the land that granddad farmed and a little more. So, uh, that's been really cool. And I, I just grew up in it. So, yeah, um, it's kind of in your blood, isn't it? It, it is. So, uh, you always say that you have the it, you do it. Uh, and I, I, I can't explain it. So, uh, that there is something about it though. And, and, you know, uh, we do a lot of different things, but at our core, we are farmers. And dad always says that, you know, if we had to go back to one thing, we would farm. Yeah. Uh, uh that's something granddad passed to a, uh, a lot of uh, his kids, you know, uh, uh, those families in Nazareth, they had a lot of kids. My mom's one of uh, 13 and my dad's one of 12. So uh, uh, a lot of them farm and, and a lot of uh, my uncles have had the opportunity to have a, a piece of granddad's land. So that's been really cool to watch those different operations spawn off as well. So and then my cousins get to be a part of that. So there's a there's a huge legacy. Um uh, huge boots to fill uh you know uh, uh granddaddy passed away in in 05 and he farmed till he died you know so yeah so i uh, i often think of how things have changed and you know uh my granddad would have been right there along with it so but uh i have uh three girls uh going to the same school i did uh with a lot of uh my classmates and cousins kids too so uh, that's that's all really fun yeah it's really <laughs> so, awesome I, yeah so you're just you're 
almost a part of something bigger than yourself in Nazareth, I guess. And, yeah. and that, that's been really fun. So that's great. Um, you mentioned, but, you mentioned your granddad, how cool it would have been to have him on our podcast. I mean, you know, the stories he could have told and, and, uh, uh, like you know, one of my favorite things uh, to remember about your granddad is him helping start Happy State Bank, and you know thinking about what Happy State Bank is now compared to you know when he he and some of those original investors invested in that tiny little startup bank in Happy Texas. I mean that that would uh, that would have been fun to have him tell us about that and, and reminisce about that. No, the stories granddad could tell, and, and you know that that's uh, part of his legacy is that uh, he could always see something out of nothing. You know. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, uh, and that that's kind of what we've tried to carry on. So, yeah, so, that, what a powerful yeah, statement. He could he could always see something out of nothing. I mean, he's a real visionary and uh, aggressive, and 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 seemed to you know from what I could tell growing up, just seemed to always be ahead of of the game. You know, he was. So. Yeah, that's uh, cool. They tell story. It's amazing. At what point, I mean, you you know, you obviously grew up, you know, in, in, in a farming family. I mean, the roots run really deep, you know, really from the beginning of when Nazareth was settled. Um, at what point, though, did you know that that's what you were going to do? I mean, when did you realize you were really born to, to be a farmer? Oh, early on. I, I, I don't know if it's something you just wake up one day and like, oh, I, I'm going to do this. But, uh, you know, I spent every waking moment I could with that. And, you know, dad farmed, so that was out on the farm. And, uh, you know, all the, you just couldn't wait to get to be able to do something. I remember uh, mom telling me, oh, yeah, dad, you can't wait till you can drive the pickup forward to help move pipe, you know, back in the day. And, and I remember getting to do that. Boy, I messed up a lot of stuff, but uh, <laughs> it, it, it was fun. And, and I tell you, uh, what's been really fun is, you know, I have an 11 year old now and, and she's kind of doing the same things. She may not like it as much as I did, but <laughs> she's able to do the same things. So, you yeah. know, I, just from that early age, I, I spent my summer on a tractor. I lived and breathed it. I'd run past dark, whatever, you know. And I, you know, I can still sit back uh, and think of those days. You know, you didn't have the responsibilities you do now. You didn't, I guess you didn't worry about whether you made a crop so much. You just enjoyed the fun parts of it, you know. And, right. and uh you know, it's those those moments during the day that you feel you're back there and, uh, you know, maybe not worrying so much about uh, whether the wind's blowing 100 mile an hour and it's 100 degrees outside, you know, uh, just enjoying it. So, uh, you know, the fact that you can get up at six and drive out to a cornfield and just sit there and look and watch the sunrise, uh, there, there's just something about it. There's something about taking that seed on producing life, you know, um, uh, it's something that is really out of your control. Uh, but, uh, there again, uh, you, you kind of nurse it along. So, uh, you know, they, they say, uh, y'all put it up on the hearse deal, uh, yesterday that, uh, nothing takes more faith than putting a seed in the ground. And it, it's so very true. You may think you're in control, but you're really not. Right. So, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, this is interesting. So you you spent your whole life in a rural community. I mean, for maybe, you know, parts of our audience who don't know where, you know, who Nazareth is, you know, it's about a 350 people. So when we say rural community, it's definitely definitely a rural community. 
Um, so you grew up in a rural community your whole life, and you've worked your whole life. I mean, I, 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 as far as back as I can remember, you've been working. And I'd be curious as to, you know, when you, you reflect on that and as you've reflected on, you know, just your, your journey, what kind of impact do you think growing up in a rural community um, and, and specifically growing up uh, working, like you learned how to work from a very, very early age. And I'd be curious as to what you think the impact has been on your life um, you know, given, given those two things. Well, uh, take it back to, uh, you know, after growing up and being raised here, I feel like they could have gone and done just about anything. And I, I tell my kids that, you know, uh, I, I have them out doing whatever. I even have my eight year old hiking fields right now, pulling tissue samples, you know, and, they complain is that, you know, it's like, why are we having to do this dads? Cause when you're 18, I'm not going to worry about you being able to go do something. You're going to yeah. be able to go do whatever you want to do. Cause you're going to know how to do something. Uh, and you're going to know how to figure it out. So, uh, just that, that ingenuity, that, that, that spirit of, uh, Hey, I, I can do anything I want, mm. you know, um, uh, that, that's really carried through. With yeah, me. It's really and, powerful. I, I love what you just said. Hey, you know, you're going to, you're going to work alongside of me because I'm going to teach you how to work. But just so you know, you can, you can do anything you want from Nazareth. You, you know, you can learn everything you need to learn and put yourself in a position to be able to do anything you want in this world uh, growing up this way. And uh, I feel that way, you know, having come from Nazareth. Um, you know, it's funny because you, you, you hear people talk about you know, the lack of opportunity or, or whatever. And, and certainly in, in larger cities, there's opportunities that don't exist in rural communities. Um, but, you know, you and I could spend the next 30 minutes talking about our classmates and, and the amazing things they're doing and have done and, and are going to do. You know, you think about, you know, your cousin Blake um, and, and uh, what he's able to do. And it just, I, I love what you yeah. just said. I mean, you literally could do anything you want from here. And uh, that's, that's true, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Definitely. So it's cool. So let's talk a little bit more about agricultural uh, agriculture uh, specifically. Um, you know, I, you and I were talking before we started recording, and you know, I I think, and it's a, it's an observation of mine that I think people, in particular in West Texas, are aware of agriculture uh, given its major impact on our region, but to the degree they really understand it, you know, I'm not for, I'm not so for sure that understanding is very deep, and so you know, why don't you why don't you walk us through a little bit about you know agriculture specifically and i guess what i mean is you know I, I hear personally these these terms like big ag thrown out there um you know and and small family farms are rapidly changing and have been for a long time and so as you think about you know what ag has looked like in the past and what agriculture looks like right now and what agriculture looks like in the future what are the kinds of things that that you're observing and, and the kinds of things that you think are important to, to understand just for a normal consumer like myself who, who is not specifically tied to agriculture? Well, there's lots of opinions out there. You mentioned big ag, you know, and big ag's usually tied to, you know, corporations or, or large companies or I, I'd even tie it to universities that have a huge influence on where ag practices are going mm. and oftentimes that's that's painted in a bad light and you know there's bad everywhere uh but there's a lot of good that comes out of that too uh you know probably the, the biggest thing that's happened in ag you know over the past uh 20 years is just a lot of integration 
You know, you look at the poultry industry, a lot of those industries where large corporations, Tyson, whatever, you know, there's an integrated business model there. And, you know, in the end, my farm, everybody's farm out here is a business. To paint that integration in such a bad light, it's like, well, we're, we're all kind of in business, you know, and integration is part of that. So I, you know, but I, I think it gets a bad rap, uh, you know, and, and you look at it from an environmental standpoint, uh, it really gets a bad rap. But if you look at, you know, 20, 30 years ago, uh, nationwide, I mean, area-wide, what we were able to produce off an acre of land with the resources we have versus now. And we're much more sustainable now than we were 30 years ago mm-hmm. um, for various reasons. You know, big ag gets painted with a, a wide, bad brush, and it, it's not necessarily true. Yeah. Uh, now, there's there's things I don't like about it, but um, in all reality, it's kind of driven us to where we are now. Yeah. And where we go here, uh, it, it has a lot of... Uh, uh, different things at play, but at, at the same time, uh, don't don't uh, disparage your roots. You know. Right. So, what 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 kind of impact do you think big ag has on you know small family farms? I mean, I know there there's got to be tons of dynamics about you know why fam you know small family farms are going away and and the impact. And I'd love for your insight on that as well. But as it relates to to big ag specifically. You know, you you kind of mentioned some of the positive impacts it has has had in terms of sustainability or innovation or things like that. But what what kind of impact have they had on on uh, you know family farms, if if any? Uh, I, I think it's had a big impact on it, and I think that's more back to the integration. You know, but even here, you look at you look at Nazareth, uh, what it was thirty years ago versus now. There's a lot less people involved. You know. Farm size has gotten to, it's had to grow bigger. Uh, profit margins are slimmer. You know, uh, Dad often tells it. You know, uh, they had a bumper wheat crop in '83, and the price of wheat is the same now as it was then. Wow! But our expenses—you could buy a tractor for thirty thousand, and now it takes three hundred thousand. So you're dealing with a lot slimmer profit margins. Um, you know, our, our resources have changed uh, for the worse. Uh, and we hope to to change that, but uh, you know, it, it's just taken a lot more land to uh, uh, make a living. Right. Uh, you know, you look at our operation. Uh, it's uh, my dad, my uncle Keith, his son Ryan, and myself. Uh, so there's there's four of us that have to scrape a living. It takes three times as much as it took for you know my dad to live on uh, when he started. Now you know so. Right us have got to scrape a living out of this and that's why we've diversified the way we have because mm-hmm. you either grow the farm or you do something else because at the end of the day uh you have to provide for your family so right um you know what are the things and I, you know oh go ahead uh, big ag in in general i guess is, has had some things to do with that but it's just i mean the world itself uh the economies it, it's all changed you know you've got uh it's it's more global than it was 30 years ago right. that has a lot to do with it so hmm. one, one thing that's always really fascinated about uh me about you jason and and just watching you from a distance is how innovative you are 
Um, you know, I I uh, I think sometimes that farmers have this uh, persona that you know they're just old and stuck in their ways and nothing's ever changed. And I'm I'm sure just like in any industry, there are some like that. But I think I think personally, uh, farmers are some of the most innovative, intelligent people I've ever met. I mean, I could just I could go through a long laundry list of people I know personally who 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 are the most intelligent, you know, uh, really great problem solvers, innovative. Um, it, it's really amazing to watch, and I I think you're one of those. And so, what role has innovation played, you know, with the way you view your soil or equipment or your 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 you know planting practices or whatever the case is? You know, why don't you speak to that a little bit? Well, uh, I mean, that, that innovation probably comes from uh, dad and even granddad down the line, but uh, we're not afraid to ever try anything different. So uh, when I started into the operation and, and actually getting to make a few decisions, uh, you know, uh, in my 20s, when you probably shouldn't be making decisions. But, <laughs> fair uh, enough, fair enough. Know, that, that was, back in in 2007 and you know our our water resources were waning uh we couldn't grow what we used to and it was a little frustrating but you know that goes back to uh the way we're driven as farmers as far as our practices and things like that you know this is how you do it you know you you, you start to walk your fields and you'll harvest them and you see things it's like it this should be better than this. You know, why is this that way? So dad and I, uh, you know, through our other company, Solomander really started to look at these things and, uh, gosh, for, you know, the, uh, for every, uh, 10 ideas you have, nine of them will maybe bad, but, uh, you know, we've started to figure out a few things about soil health and before it became a trend and then even on into plant health now. And, uh, we're able to produce so much more the last few years than, than I ever dreamed we would have been able to in 2007, hmm. you know? So, um, uh, we, we've really hinged in, in that direction. Uh, and it, it's, it's a direction that is different than, you know, I put quotes around big ag, uh, has taken, uh, and we've spun a whole business out of it, yeah. you know, helping other guys because I, like it or not, it's like you said, ag's such a huge economic driver here. We need it. You know, uh, we don't need it to go away. Right. Go by the way. So, so uh, how do we keep this alive here with the resources we have left? Right. You know, how, how do we, you know, not give our water away? Uh, how do we actually make something out of it versus just trying to hope something stays alive, you know? So, um uh, we've, we've really taken a different approach there uh, that really anybody has in the area. I've got friends around the U.S. that, that have the same ideas, and we kind of glean off each other, but uh, it, it's something that's very new here. So, uh, Talk about water, Jason. I mean, you don't have to know much about uh, farming to recognize that, you know, one, one of our biggest challenges regionally um, is, is water. So what, what do you I mean? What do you think the future looks like? I mean, the the, the aquifer is uh, you know being depleted uh, much much faster than than it's replenishing, and so what what do you think the the future of agriculture looks like? You know, given given that you know really in, you know that indisputable uh, reality. Well, I mean, personally, we're doing everything we can to to manage it from a standpoint that 
you know, I hope that if my kids want to come back, we still have some to irrigate with. Right. But, I mean, the reality is that uh, we better figure out dryland farming. And uh, we, we've worked a lot on that ourselves. You know, it's like uh, we've, we've changed the way a plant can grow in an irrigated situation. Now let's, let's hit the dry land. So, but uh, I don't know, you know, that, that's the tough part because I mean, the real easy answer for an outsider would be, we'll just stop pumping. It's like, well, you know, uh, when you have to make land payments or payments to uh, you rent land, you know, the landlord expects a crop. <laughs> right. Uh, you know, they may not share that same viewpoint. So uh, I'm looking out my house right now, uh, just down the road, a, a farm we just bought. And uh, we're, we're kind of pushing it to the max on what we can grow there. Although we'll, we'll pull a lot of crop out for the water we put on. That's uh, one thing we do very well. But, you know, we didn't shut the wells off either. So right. uh, I, I, think, I think the main thing uh, is to get as much out of every drop you apply uh, versus, you know, a lot of guys have the attitude that I don't, I don't want to spend anything, you know, I won't do anything different to do that. Or, or even, uh, you know, there's a lot of opponents out there uh, using moisture sensors, whatever, and those things are great, but, you know, uh, saving, you know, a few inches of water, but I've seen yields cut up to by a third. You know, so you still, in the end, you look at that, what you're getting out of it, your impact per drop of water you pump needs to be greater. And that, uh, I think that's, that's a lot of it. So as a, using that resource wisely. Now, there again, I, I, I'd like to say it'll, it'll last, but I, we all know it won't. Right. Uh, if you don't pump it out, your neighbor's probably going to, that's, it's a tough deal. It's so really I, I hard. Yeah, it's a hard position for you guys to be in. Not an easy answer for it because, I, you know, the the same people that uh, uh, would like farmers to shut it off uh, water the heck of their lawns. <laughs> so, right. so I, you know, I, I don't know that you know the lawns could produce a lot of corn. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, hey, just so you know, I'm not going to let you plant corn or cotton in my front yard. <laughs> that's good well we have a beautiful yard too so but it, it you know it's a lot easier to water the corn than it is our yard out here i'll tell you <laughs> so in the last 10 years this whole you know i don't even know what to call it you know you'll probably have better insight into it but you know these guys like joel salatin have become really famous for you know turning these you know these really beat up you know small scale farms into you know food food producing operations real small scale local food systems and i'm i'm curious huh. like you know you're 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 you're, you're uh, growing commodity crops you know on a large scale have have you thought much about you know what the future looks like in terms of these small scale producers um, in terms of food producers and, and the, the dynamic that they bring to agriculture in general i mean do you have any thoughts on that or um, have you looked into that much? Uh, a little bit, you know, uh, you mentioned Joel and I, I read, you know, you'll see articles come across and you read about it. Hol holistic farming, it, it is a big trend and, and rightfully so it, it is, it is sustainable. It's more sustainable than I think, uh, you know, the, the traditional organic agriculture is, I don't think that's very sustainable at all, but, uh, you know, from a perspective of a growing uh, national or even world population, 
there's a lot of people to feed. And so the question becomes, will that model sustain all of us? Uh, in, in a, uh, you know, in a manner in which people can afford, I guess, uh, there's a lot to be learned from, uh, what they've been able to do. I, I think a lot of that could be applied larger scale. Uh, you know, uh, in, in the end, in the future, it, we, we've got to become more sustainable. And I think there's a lot of ideas of what sustainable is, but at the same time, sustainable has to be able to cover everybody, you know, not, not just the people that, you know, uh, uh, can afford, I guess, to, to buy local food. It, it, it is more expensive. Sure. Well, and you think about the scale in which people would have to do that. You know, if, if you live within an hour or so of Joel, Joel Salatin's farm, then then Joel Salatin's farm can sustain, you know, that radius of people. That makes a ton of sense. But think about the number of Joel Salatins you have to have to to really make a widespread impact in terms of, you know, being able to provide for people in the way that, that you mentioned. So, you know, there's a lot about it that really resonates with me, you know, the, the cleanliness of the food, um, just just supporting, you know, small scale entrepreneurs and producers. Um, and yet, to your point, you know, it, it's great and has a lot of positive things. But, you know, when you talk about the, the scale and the coverage, it would have to reach you know, it, it's a long ways from, from, from that kind of impact. So you, you raise a good point. Well, not that it never could be. I like to say, I think there's a lot of things to learn from that. And, you know, uh, uh, even, even, uh, larger scale folks, and I wouldn't call us large scale by any means, but, uh, you know, I, I think there's a lot of lessons to be learned from that. And you can apply a lot of the same principles in, in a, in a larger scale. You know, I, I think in the end, it's about using less resources to produce more. Yeah. You know, I, and in the end, that's good for business. Uh, you know, I, I think the far, most farmers are some of the greatest environmentalists there are because it affects our bottom line. Right. You know, you don't not take care of your farm or you're going to lose it. Right. Uh, you do. So I, I can name countless examples. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, I, um, but. Like I say, I think there's lessons to be learned there. And, and you know, like you said, the, the sheer amount of those people it would take, I, I mean, you may be tearing up your yard to put in some crops because that, that's what it would take, right. uh, you know, mm-hmm. which you, you don't have the time for. Right. So, so, yeah, no, I so, don't. <laughs> like I say, the important thing is to take those lessons and, and apply them in a larger scale. Right. Uh, it's really cool. Niche markets are, are something we're really familiar with. Uh, I mean, Solomander our business was born out of a niche market. You know, we always look for those. So, uh, uh, it takes everybody. It really does. One thing I've always admired about uh, farmers and and all the ones I, I, I know are just coming to mind right now. I mean, just in rapid succession, I mean, just some really incredible people. And one of the things I've always admired the most is how steady they are how consistent they are. You know, I think of my granddad, I think of your granddad, I think of, you know, Kent and JC. I mean, just the, the list is, is, is uh, endless of these, of these men who, who have just been year over year, you know, faithful and consistent and diligent and show up every day and, you know, work hard. I mean, they don't know anything but that. And I think it's extremely admirable. At the same time, I think that you guys have an extremely difficult job and I'm, I'm curious, you know, like, you know, you've been doing this forever and yet, you know, you're 34 years old, you know, you got a, a lot of years ahead of you. What, 
what keeps you personally motivated? Like what drives you to continue to be the best at your work and your craft and, and to continue to go, you know, forward despite all the challenges you've mentioned, economic challenges, financial challenges, weather-related challenges? I mean, what, what drives you? What motivates you? I'd say the first thing is being able to provide for my family, you know, their wife and three kids. And, and, uh, if you don't go to work, uh, uh, you know, the difference between a good farmer and a, or I'd say a profitable farmer and a not profitable farmer is one day. So, uh, it's, it's very, uh, management intense and and time intense, but, you know, you bring up those guys and, and just thinking of Nazareth, you know, I, I think a lot of it's the Catholic upbringing <laughs> or the roots that we have, you know, that you show up, you right. know, so <laughs> that's what you do. So yeah. we always joke about that. So Catholics, some of the greatest church goers you could ever find in your church because they'll show up, you right. know, so they'll be so there. <laughs> I, I think that, you know, that, those roots have a lot to do with it, but uh, I don't know, you know, a lot of days are frustrating, uh, but, at the, like I say, at the end of the day, you go up and sit and look at that field or you get harvested. There's just something about it. If, I, if I'm done with it at the end of the day, thinking, why, why in the world did I ever want to do this? I, I just need to drive out to a field mm-hmm. and, and somehow it's okay. Or, or you go home and, and uh, be able to go to, I don't know, there's a lot of, a lot of things family-wise that farming does provide me. You know, it's just, uh, that I can go and do stuff, you know. So it's awesome. Um, it's it's those those little things that that make it okay at the end of the day, I guess. So yeah, uh, God has a way. I mean, uh, we, we're we're very much reliant on Him out here because uh, you know you, there's there's no way to do this on your own. So mm-hmm. um, He has a way of of uh, you know giving you those little those little moments and those little things that let you know it's it's going to be okay at the end of the day so it's yeah, so. powerful jason it's uh it's been an absolute thrill to to have you on the podcast and uh, i hope our audience has in, enjoyed it as much as i have um to wrap up i was like going through this lightning round and uh it's just these really really small uh, questions and uh, one word answers so you ready ready to wrap it up with the lightning round you bet. All right. Where's your favorite place to eat? Salt grass. Salt grass. All right. Queso or guacamole? Queso. All right. Mexican food or a good old steak? Good old steak. All right. There you go. Favorite music? Oh, it's country right now. Old country. Old so. country. All right. Good answer. All right. Last one. Favorite movie of all time? Wow. Field of Dreams. Field of Dreams? Oh, that's a good one. We haven't had that one before. That one's great. Well, Jason, I really appreciate you. Thank you so much for, for joining us. As it was a real treat for me to, to, to reconnect with you, and uh, we appreciate you being on. All right. Thank you. It's good to be here. 